Welcome to this special episode of Buzzword Bingo, a podcast that explores the latest in enterprise tech through in-depth interviews with industry experts. And I'm Demetrius Malbro, a solutions architect with Rubrik on the technical marketing team. And I've been in data protection for about 20 years, supporting multiple verticals, including healthcare, financial services, pharmaceutical industry, automotive, manufacturing, and education, just to name a few. And today, we'll be diving into the complex world of data classification. And these days, many organizations are faced with the challenge of managing and protecting sensitive data across an increasingly fragmented IT environment. And with the added layer of privacy regulations, data classification is quickly becoming top of mind for IT teams everywhere. Now, joining me to tackle this topic is Tamika Bass, Chief Information Security Officer at the Georgia Department of Public Health. And Tamika, could you please introduce yourself further? Thank you, Demetrius, and thank you so much for having me. I've been in this role for a little over three years at the Georgia Department of Public Health. I've been in security probably going on 10 years now. So I'm definitely pretty well versed in security. I have my challenges here and there, and I'm excited to be a part of this discussion. You are definitely in the sweet spot. Security is the topic of the hour, literally around the world right now. So let's go ahead and dive into the first question I am anxious to start off with. What is top of mind for CISOs or Chief Information Security Officers this year? So for me, it's really securing the environment with limited resources. As you may have heard, the government is asking all state agencies to cut their budgets by 4% in 2020 and 6% in 2021. For me, it's really being able to get and secure the environment with a lot less resources. I think for the general CISO community, it is preventing any type of security attacks on their respective organizations. We're hearing about more and more events, so we're always thinking about what we don't know and how we can get a handle on that. So you mentioned budget, of course, that's very important, but just kind of to dig in a little bit deeper as well. How do you view compliance regulations and is that a friend or is it a foe to you? And why is that if so? So compliance to me can be either friend or foe. I think it depends on the organizations. So there are some organizations that generally just focus on compliance and securing the environment takes a back seat. I think in those environments, many times compliance drives decision making. In my current role, I tend to focus on securing the environment as I'm a strong believer that compliance doesn't necessarily equal security. Okay, so compliance doesn't necessarily equal that it's secure. It's just kind of like this extra thing that's out there that has been regulated and you have to abide by those rules. Yeah, I absolutely get that. What are some of the most important aspects of building an information security program, in your opinion? So if I had to give the top three, I would say risk management. I would say policies and procedures and security awareness. So risk management, this is where you really identify and assess the risk in your environment. It's that part of the program that keeps you up at night because you discover things you don't know. So you always hear CISOs in the industry say, I don't know what I don't know, right? So when you take a risk-based approach, you're kind of doing assessment to see what it is you don't know and discover any risks you have in your environment. Policies and procedures This is where you really incorporate what you learned in your risk assessment. So the policies should really be end to end 
and they should include things like data classification. They should also have room for revisions and updates and incorporate the risk assessment of the organization. The policies and procedures also have to be practical and enforceable, and you have to have an exception process because that's very important to ensure we're not hindering the business. One thing that jumped out at me is a risk assessment. You know, that is a very powerful way in order to kind of evaluate what your risk posture is and what the level of security that you already have set in your environment. So I do recommend that as well, that everyone should have a risk assessment often, right? But you also need that security awareness program. So most people think security awareness is really having users take a training course and pass it, right? Giving them some type of assessment to show they understood the content. But a true security awareness program encompasses so much more. Number one, it's continuous and it includes different modes of communication. For example, in addition to training, we do a quarterly newspaper. We send out monthly reminders. We post posters throughout the building. And my favorite activity is our annual security awareness fair that's done during Cybersecurity Month in October. It's a theme-based event where we bring in vendors, play games, and include other activities to increase awareness. You said it's an activity, so it sounds like it's close to Halloween, right? (laughs) Goes along with that theme. I want to mention ransomware, so you can't have a conversation about security without throwing around ransomware these days. It's in the news often. And just over the past few years, ransomware is continually pinned as one of the biggest threats to companies. Now, do you think it's actually the biggest security threat or are there other vulnerabilities that we should be thinking about? So I think um, top of mind right now is ransomware. It's definitely at the forefront of threats in my current role as there's been a number of ransomware malware attacks on government agencies over the last, I'll say, two months that has really crippled some of these agencies. But I do think there's other threats we have to worry about as well. For example, what about data breaches, right? They're on the rise now. So in my current role, we're looking at admin access. We're consistently making changes and we're really focusing on our overall cyber hygiene to to prevent these types of attacks. You definitely have to know who's logging in, who's logging out, who has access to what system. So you have to keep track of all that. Yeah, those are huge things. Another data security challenge that we don't hear about much is the issue of audits. What are some of the best ways security experts can prepare for security audits? So I think it's important that we conduct self-assessments, right? So we know what our environment looks like. We know what vulnerabilities we have, and there's no surprises when we are audited. It also gives us an opportunity to remediate some of those vulnerabilities prior to an audit. So we should be conducting regular assessments in our own environment to see what gaps do we have and how we can close some of those gaps. What do you think is the most challenging aspect of managing access to, let's say, critical files across the enterprise, Tamika? So for us here, it's getting a handle on who has access to what and why. So it's important to have central visibility into your environment and making sure that you know what's out there, what sensitive data is out there as well as who has access to that sensitive data. So I think that's kind of challenging for us. The other thing we struggle with a little bit here is the provision and deprovisioning process, right? So we get the provisioning 
process correct. But when it comes to deprovisioning, for some reason, people don't like to really tell you that people have left the organization. So a lot of times you may have people who are no longer there that still has access because if you don't have an automated method of controlling that access, you could find yourself with people having access to things that they really shouldn't. Okay. And I guess that has to follow like your overall plan and structure of how you have your organization set up as far as when individuals leave the organization, that you have an automated process in place to go through. And it's like a checklist, right? To remove that person's access to all of these systems and to kind of follow up on that to say, yes, all of this has been removed and it kind of goes through that process. So is that kind of what you're talking about? The challenge is we're in IT, we're in security, and we don't know, and we're managing people in different programs throughout the organization. So a lot of times we don't know that somebody's left, right? So if you don't have the right procedures in place for onboarding as well as offboarding, you could find yourself with some gaps in that area. And we've seen those types of gaps, and we've done a lot of work to close those gaps because you have to make sure that these programs and HR and everybody's not working in a silo. If they are, then you'll find that you'll have people who have access to systems and applications that they really shouldn't have access to because they've left the company. But if they're not notifying IT, then IT doesn't know. So IT doesn't know to terminate that access. It all starts with an individual when it comes to deprovisioning. So even if you have some type of tool that you use to manage identity and access, if nobody says that that individual is gone, then you still have that gap. There's still that human aspect to it. Okay, so using some type of tool to get the organization out of those silos, right? That's true, but it's also having concrete and well-communicated policies and procedures around onboarding and offboarding, right? And so that's how you bridge those silos. That's how you bring these two departments together. You really have to have strong policies and procedures, and you have to communicate those as well. I'm glad you mentioned that because you also said communication, which is a really huge thing, especially across an organization is making sure that the communication is fluid, making sure that it goes across the organization cross-functionally and everyone is on the same page. So, you know, maybe having that periodic weekly meeting to make sure everyone is on the page and just kind of going through that dashboard or that report that gives the overall visibility of your environment and what access people have and things like that. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. Another question is, I guess, why should you as a CISO always have a pulse on where that sensitive data exists within your environment? So an organization's value is its data. It's vital that we have a handle on our information assets. The key asset that a security program helps to protect its data and the value of an organization business is its data. So if we know where data provides, we properly classify it, we can adequately put controls in place to protect it. Right. And I guess not to mention saving some money from being fined. If you don't comply to those regulations and you don't know exactly where that data exists, you can get into big trouble, right? Absolutely. Especially when you're talking about HIPAA data, because that's a premise that HIPAA is really built on, making sure that it's a need to know access. So only the right people have access to the right data. So you have to be in a position to make sure that that is the case. And just to bring in to go across the layers of compliance. So, you know, not only HIPAA, you know, you have GDPR for Europe. You have CCPA, which is on the California side. And then you have Sarbanes-Oxley. That's kind of an old one. Now I'm 
kind of telling my age here, Sarbanes-Oxley or SOX for the financial industry. So yeah, there's a long list of compliance and rules and regulations that industries have to comply with. I definitely agree with you on that, Tamika. Data sprawl and data being fragmented across the organization is also something that the CISO would have to worry about too, right? Oh, absolutely. Our biggest concern is data. And here in this environment, we deal with so much data. And you're right, it is fragmented. It is across multiple systems. So what we're looking at is we're looking into some type of tool that we could use to to do analytics and kind of like a data warehouse and things. So we can have all our data in one central place. And it also makes it easier for us to protect it as well if it's in one central place as opposed to kind of spread around all of these different areas. That brings to mind automation, right? So you have data on premises in your data centers. You may have some in the cloud. You know, it's just, it's everywhere, all these different applications. Just being able to automate that process so you can save time when it actually hits the fan, when you need that data. That's what comes to mind for me. And having a tool that can just kind of put you at ease and allow you to sleep at night when you get that phone call, that's worth its weight in gold, I would say. It is, but that's also very, very costly and very expensive. And again, you know, when you're in uh, government agencies, we have a lot of budget constraints that they probably don't have. I won't say probably don't have, but I'll say they don't have these constraints as much in the private sector. You're going to make me switch on my sales hat. When you say costly, first thing comes to mind for me is what's the total cost of ownership and how much would it cost if there was actually a breach or ransomware in the environment? You know, how much would it cost for you to have to bring in a third party to come in and try to do an assessment? You have to then do all of these other security things that you necessarily wouldn't have to have. But if you already had something in place, pay for it up front, then I'm sure the return would actually pay for itself. Absolutely preaching to the choir, Demetrius. I totally agree with you. But I will say one of the things I kind of pay a lot of attention to in my role and even as I go to different conferences and speak on different panels, one of the things I kind of focus on is the whole communication and bridging the awareness gap between IT security professionals and senior leadership. There's a level of awareness that we have to have and have to understand to make sure that they know what the consequences are for not having the right security program implemented and the right security controls in place and something happens in the environment that they have to deal with an incident. And that's a constant challenge for us as IT professionals. It's helping the senior leadership understand and, and put security as one of those priorities when there's so many competing priorities in the organization. Right. So I guess along that same vein, if you could provide one piece of advice, Tamika, for companies around data governance, what would that be? My advice would be to really make sure that governance exists, right? Make sure you know where you have an inventory of the data in your environment. You know where that data is. You know where that data resides. And you know who has access to it. And you make sure that there's policies and procedures in place to govern how that data manages and who accesses that data. Thank you so much for coming on Buzzword Bingo, Tamika. I truly enjoyed our conversation. Any closing thoughts or any final words of wisdom you would like to leave for the audience? I would just say, do your research, continue to assess the environment. Don't be afraid of 
doing an assessment to know what you know, to discover what's out there, and then put some type of plan in place to remediate. A risk-based approach is everything, right? So manage your risk, do an assessment, know the risk, and then manage them, prioritize and get those risks remediated. And that's the best advice I could give. It sounds like a solid advice to me, Tamika. Thank you so much for coming on the show.